Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Cartel and Clamor. This is the eighth episode and we're not eight people but we are three people today. Uh, namely me, I'm Johan Noor, graphic designer and artist for Merk Bori, etc, etc. And also you, Christian. Yeah, <laughs> that's my name and I like <laughs> to write and lay out some books in my spare time and I did uh, Death in Space. And also uh, the third person who is joining us for the first time in studio. Yeah, that is correct. That's me. Uh, I'm Don Alistrand in Swedish. And if you want to mangle my name in English, it's Dan Algstrand. But uh, people call me Dante mostly. Uh, graphic designer, uh, production artist and stuff. I do... Uh, every Swedish role-playing game, if anyone says that someone else has, has laid out or designed a Swedish uh, role-playing game, they are lying. It is It was me. <laughs> Pretty much. You're also the print wizard who we always ask about the uh, print technical details. Yeah, that, that is correct. And I think I'm using uh, your books as uh, my microphone stands right now. That's <laughs> respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are so many of them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're, if there's a reason that um, it's us three here that are the ones who are main, um, usually working on graphic design because that's the theme for this episode which I guess you could have figured out if you read the description and the name of the episode but we're going to talk about um, the most the, no, the noble form of graphic noble art form of graphic graphic design uh, that transforms uh, boring text and simple images into beautiful, beautiful books. Or PDFs. Or PDFs, or something entirely different. But that's pretty much it. And uh, I don't know, we, we have some sort of agenda, some sort of idea of what to talk about. And the first the first um, topic is like the process. How do you do? Like what's, how, how do, do, does one... Uh, do graphic design and my english is not with me today but yeah so what what does it look like when you guys first get an idea or a project or a commission to do a graphic design job like where where do you begin um well that depends uh, i mostly act as a, a production artist uh, that is i work with a predefined uh, graphic uh, style Someone else, uh, mostly uh, another Christian, uh, not one of the two Christians in the cartel, but a, a totally different third one uh, from uh, Free League. Uh, he, he has some idea, he does some sketches, he does some graphic design, and then I come in and, and tweak stuff and make it uh, tighter and lay out uh, within the framework of his ideas. So he gives you like a sketch... Or, or like um yeah or, or a couple of mock-up spreads uh, with the the most common elements right I think that's usually where I begin because I, I believe I have a similar role to what Christian has because I, I'm also like the because I'm an art director um, on in my full-time job and that's kind of what that entails I guess to like set a style to later make the design from so i think like that's the first step that i do like when i when i've had the first initial meeting with the author or the game designer 
<clears throat> we usually create mood boards on Pinterest, which is good to have as reference and as guide. And then I create these sort of first couple of pages that will give some sort of um, idea of what their final book might look like. And then, then it's like from there, I just take it and make the actual design work and lay out the book. But that's that's a very crucial, I think, starting point to have like an idea of, okay, so here's a few spreads. This is what hopefully the book will look like eventually. So you actually start with a spread before um, anything else or, you know, yeah. you actually start, start, start laying, laying out the book? Um, usually... I mean, if I have if I have the text to begin with to work with, I will use that. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of lorem ipsum or whatever to just get a feel of it uh, and to find the different hierarchies in the typography. And here's the headline levels, and here's the body text and the side boxes if you're gonna have those and stat blocks and whatever. So you can get like a, the the feel of the book, the hmm. uh, sp- the I don't know how spacious it is or how tight it is the format everything like that okay but yeah it's not always that these ideas work out eventually like sometimes during the work when you actually pour in the text you have to tweak it a bit as well I guess it's a bit different uh, for me because sometimes I have the text and sometimes I don't have the text because I'm kind of doing it in the same time often I look at um, a really nice uh, layout of a book and I see like okay I'm going to try to do that and I try to to make it kind of exactly the same thing almost but with my own stuff Uh, yeah but I, I can't do it because it doesn't look, you know, that good. <laughs> but uh, and then I just kind of change it slightly, and then I take some uh, what I learned from that and kind of do my, do it myself, uh, and can almost end up in the same layout as I always do. <laughs> I think that's a good idea as well to have a lot of reference material to work from and to have physical books. At least I appreciate that. So like I have a, f- a quite extensive library of uh, books and role-playing game books that I just, I can't stop kickstarting and buying shit. But, and that when I have a new project, I usually try to grab the books that I think mostly am, like uh, isn't similar to what I'm trying to accomplish. And I will uh, throw them on the floor, open up the spreads that I think is uh, appropriate and, and similar or, you know, inspiring and then try to like mentally create a mood board in a way of the direction I want to move. Maybe I take a picture of the spreads that I have open uh, on the floor and I don't know, sometimes like I remember when I did uh, Simbaroom back in the day, uh, the graphic design for that, I actually like took some of them, some books that I liked and I measured the typefaces and the body text to see like okay this is how many millimeters this font is and then it's 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 never that precise but get a general idea and i sit there and like count characters per line to get the right (laughs) amount but i guess i also start with the the format first the size of the book uh, how big it's going to be yeah and i try out the different things and i kind of always end up in in the same size (laughs) in a way but i try to yeah well I, I I'm I'm the one that don't like I, I <laughs> that I kind of like bigger books but uh, but yeah the size and uh, the font <clears throat> for for the book I guess that's where I start to uh, something that fits with the the tone and the theme of the, of the, the role playing game I think it's, especially if you make a physical object of it a book it's nice to like uh, envision what it will feel like as well like if you're holding the book how big is it what's the texture of the cover. Uh, because yeah. I think that's one thing that is quite overlooked in 
uh, role-playing game book design is like different ways of making covers. You can make a lot of interesting stuff with the spine and the binding and all that shit. So it's starting to happen more and more now, uh, especially from the indie publishers. Uh, they are making uh, much more interesting books uh, than the the big publishers. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, because like I. I bought this book. I talked about it on a previous episode. It's called the the book cover, and it's like from a Portuguese publisher, and it has basically a a list of all the different ways, not all, but a lot of different ways you can make a book cover. And I mean, yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can bind a book, and you can. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen ads for that on Facebook. Uh, that's in, that's why like I bought it. forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The, the cover is so important for me to find the tone of the whole thing because I need to find a word or a, a tone for the whole project so I can actually use that throughout the whole book. When you start a band, you start with the name, of course. Uh, <laughs> the logo, don't forget the yeah. logo. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's how we start. Uh, and I guess I do the books in the same way. Do you start with the cover then? Often. <laughs> I think I actually do it quite late in the process, the cover. It's uh, sometimes it's not an afterthought, but it's like one of the last steps for me. It's like, oh shit, I need a cover as well. Because I don't know. I, to me, I, I think that the cover has such an, a different role to play. Like the interior of a book is all about, well, usually about being um, readable and usable and whatever. Like it's supposed to do something with the text and the, and the art. But the cover is more or less like very often about uh, sticking out on the shelf and being uh, eye-catching. Maybe, you know, selling on the sh- uh, store shelf. But so like when I start designing, I'm, I'm in another mindset in a way. Uh, not necessarily the cover, but sometimes I do it first. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you can't if you can't uh, see or read a logo from across the room, it's a bad logo. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, I can't see anything you're doing, uh, Johan. So <laughs> <laughs> you can't see anything. All, I'm doing. all, all your logos are kind of what, what does, does it say? Ah, oh, you mean the, uh, yeah, they're not the most uh, legible. I I kind of agree that they're. <laughs> <laughs> but they look cool. Yeah, you can see them, but maybe not read them. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's. <laughs> but we're using very strong colors, and that's cheating as well. Yeah. But yeah, I think like as for the process, once once we have this tone and the direction, I usually just take and I be, I start from the beginning uh, of the book, and I just take and copy paste the text straight into InDesign that I'm using. Um, and begin formatting. By then, I, th- I I think I usually have the paragraph styles and all the formats that I want to have. Not for Mercury, I didn't have any styles at all there, but that's that's the wrong way to work, I think. Um, well, if you're going to use uh, more than 100 typefaces, it, it would be a pain no, in the ass to, to make yeah. styles for the, all of them. Yeah. So I forgive you in this <laughs> case. You are forgiven. Thank you. We have it on record. If- <laughs> I need to have a process where I can update everything over and over again. I think for me, uh, it's it's usually a bit chaotic when I worked on, say, Mark Body, where it, there, I invent a lot of new styles every spread. But if I work on something a bit more cohesive and like with set styles, like into the odd, uh, I tend to change uh, what uh, the styles if I notice that what I'm working on doesn't work. 
because all of a sudden you have this weird table and the style that I've done doesn't support that. So I have to redo all of the things. But I don't know. I, it's very rare that that happens. So I usually just keep on working. And then when the book is done, I sort of go back and look at what I've done. <laughs> I have to kind of just accept it because by then it's too late to change it. So that, That's pretty nice because I, I do a rough thing of the whole book first and then I mm. go to the first page again and then I can yes uh, over and over again I just redo it the whole book and then I jump to each page and see well you know how how it works and stuff like no, that. No but that's so. very valid I think I think that's a good way to have everything be polished. Yeah. You know, definitely. Uh, I have a very specific process when I do uh, layout stuff for other people who have already done the main design how it should look and so on. Or if I do something I have done before, if I make a supplement for something, I already have all the styles and a lot of my work is like that. I get repeat business. I always set the text first. Uh, the text uh, for uh, the chapter I'm going to set, I do all the typography before I do anything else. That's the only way I know how much space will this take. And then I can start fiddling with the images and tables and uh, stuff like that to make sure that the right amount of text goes uh, into the spread and that the page breaks and the spread breaks occur in the right places. I don't want uh, a headline to start on the bottom right page and then there's just three lines of text and then you have to flip the page to get the rest of it. No, I agree. That's that's very important when you use the book that every spread is contained, you know, thematically to itself so yeah. I, sometimes I look at a book uh, of the flipping through experience the reading experience as a very very slow animated movie because yeah, every spread yeah. is in a way uh, a frame and so you want to have this sort of um, rhythm and the dance uh, and changing up the um, compositions uh, across the whole thing so yeah and it also depends on the composition uh, of the image if there is a, a sense of direction uh, in the image, you you perhaps don't want it on the right side because it mm. feels like it's leaving the page. You want it on the left side, so it's moving into the book. Uh, and uh, I know a lot of artists don't like when you uh, mirror their images. No. I do. I do it. I do it now no. and again if I have no other choice. Uh, but I know they don't like it, so uh, I tend to place the images depending on their shape and sense of direction, uh, and not mirror them. You hear that, designers? Don't mirror. Don't mirror it. Artists' <laughs> art. They don't like it. A question to you guys. Do you have like um, uh, your uh, monitors for when you're working? Are they calibrated for, for colors and stuff for the right way? Or Ish. Mine, is, mine <laughs> <Okay>. isn't. No. <laughs> uh, it's on the list of to-dos. Yeah. I like to actually get the book. I did like print tests for it was print on demand or whatever mm. or, or a printer or anything so I can get the size and everything feel for it because uh, it's hard to know uh, and yeah it's the colors is always a surprise uh, I think colors is difficult there as well I mean you can't color print it on your home printer and see but speaking of printing that's also a very good thing that you should do for typography to like you, you can't um, estimate how well a, a Type uh, a typeface or a body text will look 
uh, or how well it will read unless you print it in the actual size, because looking at the screen is entirely different from the thing that you hold yeah. in your hands. So that's almost all I uh, ever use my uh, home printer for. Yeah. I have the, a, a stack of papers with uh, different typefaces uh, in in different sizes, so I can go back to them and just see. Okay, this one. This is eight point. Three is the it's, perfect size for this. It's really fascinating how 8.3 will differ from 8.2 or 8.25. Yeah. Like these extremely small uh, increments will make a big difference when you have a full paragraph of text. It's it's quite baffling when you see it in print, actually. I remember I had a project where someone asked me, to, oh, I can't read this text. It's too hard to read. You have to make it bigger. And instead, I made it slightly smaller and just uh, <laughs> increased uh, the line height. Yeah. And they said, oh, yeah, that's nice, much better. Yeah, but sometimes it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. So that's why you should always always print. And I, I usually make a big sheet of like different um, or the same paragraph in different settings. And then the one that my eye sort of instinctively go towards, that's usually the one that I want because it's like a subconscious thing. And and I I kind of Google it. I <laughs> so what's default? What looks good? And you just search for that on the internet, and you get uh, you should have this kind of uh, ratio between the text and everything. And I kind of just do something similar to that, and it often kind of works. Yeah, yeah. If you if 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 you're not sure about if you don't know all the rules or suggestions about how topography works. Look at a book you like. Look at a book you think looks nice. Try to emulate that. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, Copy and get inspired and steal from others. That's all, <laughs> all this is. Not all, but it's a good start. <laughs> Should we move on to the next um, point on our agenda? Um, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, unless, <laughs> uh, if, unless we have more to say about the w- process. W- was all that about the process? but very much contained within the agenda of course this is i have some questions yeah. though to you to you guys uh, uh oh, yeah. when is it done i usually have hard deadlines so that is not a problem <laughs> for me i just I, I do it it's supposed to be done by next friday then uh, i stop layouting the next friday and i usually never have deadlines so i'm quite the opposite there unless i do a freelance work of course but if i do my own projects i st- I don't know. It's it's kind of a boring answer to say I stop when I feel done because well, duh. But I don't know when I when I've done the last page and I look through it all, I do some small changes perhaps, and then I don't know. Unless I absolutely hate it, I just have to move on and I have to stop and call it a day and move on to the next project because. Like you, you can't dwell on it too much. I feel like eventually you just have to let it go, and you have to send it, send it to print. Or actually, yeah, because that's the next big project to prepare this thing for print. Yeah. And yeah, you can't, yeah, you if can't I, stay if, on it forever. If I took forever with uh, everything, I would not get repeat business. Uh, for me, it's not. It doesn't feel just that part of the process doesn't feel super good because I kind of work until I. I don't know what what should I change. I have nothing I can change, and I feel oh, I guess I'm 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 done now. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know what. Cha- <laughs> do I like it? Yeah, yeah, okay. It looks. I think I like it, but uh, you know, 
and then I just mm. stop it there. So it feels like um, it's not <clears throat> like working in a in Max and Fury. Ah, oh, this is gonna be awesome, and then you just end. It's just go to the top, and then it goes slowly down <laughs> until I don't. You know, I I can't change anything. I, I'm done. <laughs> can't save this. <laughs> yeah. So no. No, I don't know. It's that's a it's a good question because eventually you just have to call it a day. I think I think that's an that's an easy trap to fall into as well to like keep just changing until you never finish it. And and of course, when you feel I'm done, and then you show it to somebody else, just that second when you start showing the book for somebody else, then you oh I need to I need to change this. It's actually a good uh, good thing because I I know a, a project that I'm been working on where I've been continuously posting or like sending spreads uh, and art pieces and everything to the rest of the group. And you're, you're right, because every time I send some, something, I look at it and I see things I want to change. So that's actually actually a good tip for the like whole process of, of like be, be transparent and send things to the rest of the group. Because then you will also see things that you might have missed, like you see it in a different light, maybe. When I'm done with everything, like showing a lot for Carl and uh, other people that I that I like to get feedback, and then I show it to uh, you, Johan, and to Don. <laughs> uh, yeah, to the focus group, and then I get some real feedback, like uh, not real feedback, but like um, uh, the hard truth. I need you need to change that to fix that. Uh, smart smart ass uh, opinions <laughs> no. i think the, i think the things that i usually comment on is like oh you should uh, you should move this word to the next line yeah. or <laughs> yeah. you know i got like a lot that. yeah I, I remember that from death in space yeah and i i i usually go on about all the horizontal lines uh this is a hyphen when it actually <laughs> should be an n dash or a minus sign. or yes or, yeah. a minus sign or uh, an a lowercase x is not a multiplication sign. Very important. Yeah. But that's actually, uh, when you said that, and I thought about this with them, <clears throat> all the words that I want to push down the next line, let's, like if you say the something, like that the should be uh, together with the... This, there are probably correct grammatical words for this, but the the, the should be together <laughs> with the thing. It's the ing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially in in uh, headlines or subheaders, I yeah. uh, I go in and do uh, manual line breaks all the time just to to get them uh, the line break in the correct place. Yeah, I try to do that with every like with the body text as well. Like, I, I, because if I see it, I mean, not always, but if I see it, I, it ha- I have to put it down because I want every line to feel I don't know like its own thing in a way. Like, it's not a sentence, but like I would like every line to have its own meaning and yeah. its own message. Uh, yeah. And text balance, like I I try to look at it as what if you're like imagine you're building. A physical tower of physical letters like if it looks balanced then it's probably good like if it looks like it's tipping over or it's leaning to one side then you probably have to change it so you want it to feel calm and uh, sturdy and something that has to do with the next topic and also the process sometimes you have something in the book that you want to do that you shouldn't do like for, for, for me in death in space it was okay we we did some black pages on the in the book and um, some <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah some and then i was thinking oh wait a minute i i like this let's do everything black and on you know 
black pages and white text and every everybody was kind of saying oh well maybe you shouldn't do that or that that's not a good idea <laughs> and we also used uh, monospaced uh, font that's something i would never do again <laughs> we reach a point in process where this is something i want and this is something you shouldn't do and then i felt okay mm. we we need this to 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 get the right feeling of the book that uh, that we want to have and then we went for it anyways it was more important that it felt good than it was kind of readable (laughs) Uh, now now where do i recognize that sentiment (laughs) but apart from that one uh uh, unfortunate blue color uh everything is perfectly readable unless perhaps uh you're colorblind because if you're red blind then uh you will have a hard time to differentiate the red from the black on, on those spreads yeah but uh, otherwise i think it's perfectly uh, and legible. you have a big part of that also because of the you changed a lot adding those uh, that little tricks you can do with the with the text uh, oh yeah oh my god the, the yeah. trapping <laughs> yeah oh yeah i've been through that as well but maybe we could talk a bit about that that's interesting yeah okay <laughs> trapping <laughs> Does, does anyone do it? Why do we do it? And what is it? Uh, basically, if you have a negative text on a dark background, then uh, you should add a small blackish outline to the text that is just printed in black and maybe a little bit of the uh, background color uh, so that you don't have all four printing colors. Uh, on the edge of the letter because if there's a slight misalignment the text will look blurry and uh, if you have really thin typeface it can disappear altogether but if you only print black closest to the letter the outline the black outline then there's only one color and you cannot get misalignment with only one color. So the text will look sharp and crisp and nice. It's hard to explain this in a non-visual medium. <laughs> no, but basically like you add, an ext- as you said, an extremely small stroke around every around the text, like 0.1 points, yeah. right? And it's, isn't it like w- <laughs> one of each color except the 100 black? Yeah, if you if you are printing on a on a, a really dark background, a, a deep black, or or uh, an, a picture with a an, an RGB picture that's been converted to um, CMYK, then you get the super dark black. It's almost three hundred percent ink coverage, and then you need this little outline. And please yeah. proofread a lot before you do that, because. Uh, for death and space, we had to change stuff afterwards, and uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, hard to fix uh, art and text and everything. That and not text, but the art is kind of uh, it's kind of hard to fix afterwards. Sorry, I was just thinking about the to the thing that you said about all the pages being black in death in space and the reason for that because like even though you knew that it was maybe not the (laughs) best idea for (laughs) like readability you did it anyway because it added to the whole vibe and the aesthetic and i think that's sort of where graphic design uh gets closer to art in a way and sort of does the same job as the art so it's 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 not only about making the text readable or making the text and art you know uh, more 
accessible or clearer like it's also about communicating an aesthetic or a vibe or the setting of the game if it's a role-playing game like i think i think there is a gray area where graphic design and art sort of becomes the same which i think is interesting because like you can say a lot of things with how the graphic design is so if it's chaotic maybe that says something about the world and the setting or if it's very strict and orderly then that too can say something about the expected um, experience or the expected uh, like feel of this yeah. game. I mean, Mark Boy, I guess that's a good example of not to pet. I mean, not to pet each other's shoulders, but <laughs> I, I, I guess it's a good example of uh, a chaotic uh, design versus the the world and yeah, everything. Exactly, like a deteriorating world and all that, but. Um, like everything from the choice of typeface like if you choose a a typeface from the time area the the game is sort of taking place in or you know if you use the dreaded parchment background for a fantasy game then you know that this is a game where you have swords and uh, backpacks it's super hard to i we're gonna do a sci-fi game uh let's Let's pick a sci-fi font. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cut the corners yeah, diagonally a bit. Uh, that's yeah. But no, but for real, like you can use familiar tropes like that, of course, because that's a shortcut to a certain uh, uh, emotion. But yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I think to see how graphic design can also be art, like do the same thing as illustrations do. Who was that? It was someone who made, I think it was like handouts for, I believe it was Call of Cthulhu or something. And it was very important that it was the exact right typeface that existed in that time period, in that year. Oh. Uh, It was like, yeah, there was some nerd, I don't know who, but it's like, oh, hang on, this this typeface wasn't invented until 1926. And this takes place in 1922. (laughs) There's also a so, thing uh, when it, when you pick a typeface that you know we're gonna have in the book. It's kind of nice to to think of. Well, okay, what is this gonna be used for? Is other people gonna use this? Is can can other people use it? Is it for free? Can people find it on mm. Google? Oh, yes. And also, does it have all the all the glyphs and yeah, letters that yeah. you need for the languages? And does it have all the all the different weights? And there's a lot of shit that you have to think about. Yeah. One thing I can, uh, you can spot sometimes someone using a free font they have downloaded from somewhere that isn't the the actual font, but it it's probably a preview or someone didn't uh, he didn't feel like uh, finishing it or so. But the character spacing is way off. Yeah, and the word spacing also, and you can see someone used this for a headline, and it's like a mile. Of space between each word. Yeah, but also like all the f- f- funny characters that we have in Swedish and also other languages have the different A's and the O's with the dots and circles and all that. If yeah. they are missing, it's probably, yeah, it's very common to find a nice typeface that does exactly what you want, but then those glyphs are missing. And usually, like, I kind of I tend to invent them if I really want it for like a headline. But if I'm going to use it for an entire project, like I can't, you have to just ignore that font. Yeah. I, I did some work for a Hungarian uh, pharmacy company a while back. And the the house font that they had chosen for all their communications did not contain Hungarian glyphs. 
<laughs> so oh, yeah, uh, you couldn't you couldn't use their own chosen typeface to set their address. <laughs> yeah, you have to think about that. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought about that when I did um, Cult Divinity Lost. Uh, it was sort of a given that this could possibly be translated into uh, other languages. Uh, so I, I considered that before I even started the design and the typography. Uh, the typefaces, they have all the characters for all languages that uses the Latin alphabet. Lithuanian, Vietnamese, uh, all of them, except for the one I used for um, the drop caps. It's a lovely, weird Russian uh, typeface called Sokol, uh, Russian-inspired, super odd. I just wanted that, and if if they need to use it in, in Vietnam, <coughs> they will have to make up their own glyphs. Uh, and also the the line height, the, the spacing uh, between the lines uh, in all the text and all the headlines, you can fit an O or an uh, A uh, with a with an accent. You can fit it uh, in there without uh, letters colliding with each other. That's nice because that's usually the case when you have these weird letters that uh, extend beyond the sort of normal height yeah that they always clash it's it makes for terrible headlines and uh, it's very frustrating but i thought like when if, if they wanted to add uh, another language they could also reach out to the foundry and sometimes they will actually um take on like commissions to draw letters and or uh, as was the case with um into the odd when i did that I realized that the typeface that I had used didn't have um, small caps for the italic. And so I emailed the foundry, it was a Swedish foundry, and I asked them if they had any plans of doing that. And they actually had, uh, they were working on it right now, and they had like a test version laying around that they could send me. So I think that, that I think nice. Into the Odd Rem- yeah, I think Into the Odd Remastered was the first sort of project that uses that uh, <laughs> that particular font of that typeface, which is an extremely narrow and nerdy anecdote, but still. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. they're usually quite friendly bunch yeah. foundries. And you were saying, Christian, about uh, you were thinking about who can use this typeface and so on. Uh, if I can uh, go back to Cult Divinity Lost, just to make sure everyone understood, it was me who made it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had wa- I had waited twelve years. Uh, to use uh, a typeface. Uh, I've seen it 12 years earlier and I fell in love with it right from the start. But it's so weird and quirky. Where will I ever get to use this? And then I worked in e-learning for a while, uh, the marketing department, Mm, not much use for that there. Then I worked at a company who makes uh, industrial uh, pneumatic and uh, vacuum equipment. <laughs> mm, no luck there either. And then I worked uh, at two different uh, ad agencies and worked mostly with pharmaceutical clients. So no luck. And then along came Cult. And I just knew, oh, I want to use this. I want to use Infidel C. and i've been wanting it you to use it for 12 years and now just and at one point at one point the creative director petanalo he said "Mm, i'm not sure about this this typeface and i said no no no, you cannot change this typeface (laughs) 
And it's, Don't it's, take this from me. And it's very unique. I have never seen it used, not only in role-playing. I have never seen it used. Now everybody's Googling. <laughs> at, yeah. at least yeah, exactly. me, I'm Googling. It's Jonathan Barnbrook. It's extremely uh, cultivated losty. It's like the the headline type, typeface that you have, yeah. right? How to explain it? It's yeah. It's, and now it is the cultivated lost typeface. Yeah, it's almost al- alchemical in a way. Yeah. That's kind of cool if you can find a typeface that you sort of own, like not legally in any way, but uh, I don't know, uh, visually. Like if someone sees that typeface, they will instantly think of. The book that you made. Yeah, that's why we picked a typeface for um, Death in Space that uh, every horror and sci-fi movie ever used. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, oh, that's Death in Space. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Can't always do that. But, yeah. uh, no. but still, the typeface, when you used it, 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 it gave some references and some ideas to the people seeing it. Like they see science fiction and they see, you know, they have... Um, old uh, pre- like ideas of what it represents it, it, it's it pretty similar to what uh, John Carpenter used so I kind of I like that uh, I, I'm not sure if it's the yeah. same but uh, it's pretty close or it could be the same I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> that's nice um, but sp- sp- moving on then to the, um, our next sort of li- um, point here or our next step which is uh, trends in Role-playing game design, graphic design. If if we know any that we have seen or that's happening right now or that have maybe disappeared, so I'm, I kind of see like when we first released Merc Body, there was a lot of obviously in the community surrounding it. There was a lot of this chaotic sort of art punky graphic design that has uh, little that doesn't really care about the rules, so to speak. It's very chaotic, um, for better or worse, but. I kind of see now a sort of counter movement to that, a more, which I appreciate a lot, like a, a more like minimalistic graphic design that sort of goes, tries to like remove all of the excesses and all of the weirdness and just try to keep it as distilled and minimal as possible. Um, I don't know. I've started. I've started to see that uh, happening. Yeah, but you look. You look at at all the stuff that uh, comes out for Merc Boy, right? P- pretty much, yes. Yeah, I don't. I work with role playing games every day, every week. I work with role playing games, uh, so I don't really look at role playing games for uh, inspiration uh, or stuff like that. So I don't know. If I know any trends, but you can definitely you can definitely say that there is a, a pre Mercbori and a post Mercbori uh, design <laughs> style <laughs> aesthetic. Yeah, maybe in a certain corner at least of the of the role playing game business. But I agree. I think that's a good point as well that you made. Like you should not necessarily look at role playing games for inspiration. You should look elsewhere to uh, invent new things and like bring new air into the scene. But I actually have a hard time to see trends in the, with the books because I, I try not to buy too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, but I, th- yeah. I think that's, that's the one that I thought of at least, that it's yeah. becoming more and more minimalistic. And there are 
because uh, a while back, maybe that's still the case, it was very common to see role-playing game books be designed sort of as manuals for board games. Like very, that's a lot of boxes and a lot of very clear subheaders and very instructional and quite easy to use and very much like gamey in a way. And there are on the other side of the spectrum, there are these books that looks more like um, novellas and more uh, literary in a way. And I, I, I don't know. I thought I was thinking about how their design could influence the way you play the game. Like, if a if a book is designed like a board game manual, does that mean that you play it as such? Mm. Because subconsciously you're sort of in that mind space. And uh, similarly, if it's more like a novella in that it's designed, will that make you? I don't know. Be more. Freeform. Freeform me, maybe? Yeah, probably. Uh, or it will make me uh, scream in frustration as I try to look up a rule and there are no subheaders. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there can still be subheaders, but yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, if there's no subheaders at all, then it's an actual novella design. And that's, yeah, that's fascinating. I haven't seen that. Yeah, well, there is... <sighs> We who design role-playing games, we jokingly talk about, well, well, it's a typical role-playing design. And by that we mean it probably has uh, some sort of weird page border, and there's the fake parchment background, mm. and there's some brown in there as well. Mm. Two, two columns uh, and yeah. pictures that are either full page or half page. But, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a very typical like design, and maybe for a good reason. But you don't always have to fight these uh, standard um, ways of doing things. But it's fun to challenge them from time to time. Obviously. Yeah. So are we done with the trends? <sighs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And um, that leads us to our uh, final little thing here, which I think we could uh, we could talk at, at length about, which is um, making digital files. Because like now we've been talking a lot about making print files and making digital files, whether it's, I mean, usually it's PDFs, but maybe it's something else as well. But making yeah. digital PDFs is an art form in itself as well. And there's things you have to consider to make them shine and functional. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I've been doing quite a lot of that for Free League uh, the past years. And if I may say so myself, blow my own horn and all that, uh, I have raised the quality on them a bit. I do uh, all the page references are live hyperlinks. The index and the table of contents are also hyperlinked. And I do an extensive uh, uh, three levels deep, at least, uh, bookmarks. And I do that uh, in in design already, mm. so that everything uh, like that is in place when I export the PDF. And I try to convert, uh, unless it's uh, some Forbidden Lands things, which is uh, black and white only, uh, I convert the images to RGB if they are not already, because it will look brighter on the screen. And the files will be smaller because three color channels take up one quarter less space than four color channels. That's actually something I never considered, but that's so true. Of yeah. course, yeah. 
And I think it's it's uh, it makes a big difference. When we were making Cyborg and I changed the images from <clears throat> CMYK, which is, you know, there are terrible colors, into RGB, you can really uh, make them pop and you can really make them more vivid if you want. You can have this neon green and the really like terminal blue and all that stuff, which isn't yeah. really that common, I think, in role-playing games because usually the images are adapted to printing and then you sort of you can't use these colors so yeah you should play to the strengths of the medium i think yeah absolutely and, and that's the reason we changed the black uh, to a, a bit more gray in the pdf uh so it's not super black because it's quite hard to read on the screen mm. for me at least so yeah because 100 percent cmyk black uh, looks super black on screen, but it's a bit grayish if you print it on matte paper, especially. Mm. So it's 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 kind of weird. And if you if you go for the true black, uh, then it looks just ugly when you view it on screen. Mm. But it's also like if you have RGB uh, black and you do like zero 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 zero, that's extremely like it's harsh for your eyes uh, in a way. So. Yeah, uh, if it's entire pages like text and all that can work, but but yeah, um, but I think also like that's not something that I have done, but I would like to experiment on different formats for the book for the PDF. I know that some games do that, uh, so they make um, well instead of spreads, it's like these horizontal pages that are in the exact proportions of the screen so they're actually made specifically for reading on a screen or on a phone or a tablet you know yeah there are uh, yeah there are but of course you shouldn't use pdf uh, for that no no there are much better formats uh (laughs) epub and so on you can do some uh, it's been a while since i i made some epub but you can do some fixed layout epub stuff and it's still sort of dynamic mm. in a way. You can make things move around a little just to um, take into, into account different size screens and, and so on. But the, the stuff is more or less where you want it on the page. I actually think it's, it would be interesting to experiment on making like HTML files or like more web designy stuff for digital even though they're offline so you could have instead of just flat static illustrations you could have animations or you could have you know really use the digital format to what it's good for and not try to only emulate print yeah but it's i haven't done it yet no me neither uh, there's never enough time for no. me to do separate uh, digital files and 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 print files. Of course, I do them, but I I, I export from the same InDesign yeah. originals. Yeah, but it's uh, I I think that most of the time when I'm reading PDFs, uh, role playing game PDFs, it's on the phone. Actually, when I need to look something up, uh, so actually I should should start doing phone like that format instead like making um additional versions of the books maybe more the small ones than the big books but that are like um what is it 16 uh, 9 16 in proportions perhaps yeah and then you print 
You print them in the same size as well. Of course, yeah. You have these really <laughs> tall books. Why not? <laughs> that would be nice. It's fun to experiment on formats as well. Like people are doing square books and landscapes books. Like not all not all of them work at the table, but yeah. Uh, well, I tried. I tried to convince Carl about doing a landscape death in space. He he don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I, no, I I I agree with him. No, I it's can't. Not really yeah, I, I, but I like it. I like landscape. <laughs> yeah. I've done some square books, uh, but they were art books, and the art was uh, either horizontal or vertical so mm. square was a good compromise <laughs> yeah i've done the same thing i've done an art book but we're not talking about that art book um is it the one with the cover it's the one with the cover correct yeah so yes. moving okay. on uh, <laughs> no. are there any role-playing designers uh graphic designers i mean uh that you like Oh yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, I'm really shit at remembering names, though, on the spot. Uh, I have uh, one guy who I really uh, uh, I, I enjoy, especially his uh, headline treatments, and it's uh, Olivier of the Merry Mushmen. Mm. I really like how he does the the, the headlines for the, the articles in Knock Magazine and so on. I've seen some stuff from. The Black Sword Hack, second edition as well. Uh, I really like what he does there. I agree. They're all good. And it's a very nice way of having these like uh, kind of tight typography that just works, I think. Yeah. It's really nice. No, but otherwise, I think I have two that comes to mind. And it's first of all, it's uh, Adam Vass, of course, of World Champ Game Company, that I think makes remarkable stuff. Um a lot of it is really, really good, like all, all of it. Um, very, very uh, good eye for like experimental typography, which I really appreciate. And the other one is, um, I hope I don't butcher this name now, but it's uh, Gilherme Gontillo. Oh yeah, I was going to mention him as well. <laughs> yeah, which is always a treat to see whenever, you know, new stuff is posted. Uh, always super inspiring. It, it's it, it's hard not to get inspired because I think the the bar is so high. I mean, people are so good, so it's it's um, easy to find inspiration uh, from the books out there. There's some really really good looking books, and that's also a bit scary when you want to do your own. Does it does it need to look this good? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm pretty new with uh, both making uh, books and with role playing. I, just done it for maybe I can like maybe ten years. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm old now, so ten years is super fast uh, when you you know sit alone. <laughs> but okay, I'm not sure if something has changed, but it it at least it feels like it's uh, or maybe I'm noticing it a bit more. Um, mm. Everything looks really good out there, so I, I I don't have anything specific, but there is something in each uh, product you out there that has something that that oh i like that i'm gonna steal that <laughs> i actually think that's one more uh purpose or one more like job the graphic design has it's to inspire other graphic designers actually to like yeah or, or like not raise the bar but like uh raise a com like start a conversation in a way about graphic design because someone makes something and then others see that and they make their adaptions and their changes of that. And so the whole thing evolves. So so if you're 
if you're too good at graphic design, you become a designer for other designers, like a certain kind of musicians who just uh, attract other musicians. No, but I think... Is that what you're saying? Ordinary people don't like them, but other musicians do. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying uh, no matter what the design work... I mean, no matter what the design you're doing, you're, you're probably going to inspire someone to make, you know, uh, their own thing. So even though you're not entirely sure of the choices you make, that sort of uh, imperfection, if you will, will probably inspire someone else down the line. And yeah. the cycle continues. I have a question for both of you. And that's, is, do you have any tricks that you, that you do to make it kind of, you, that you always do or uh, that you often do? Tricks, yeah. Well, uh, I have recently, or recently, for the last six years or so, uh, I've been starting to use uh, regular expressions in InDesign uh, for automatic formatting of stuff and to avoid things you don't want and also to search and replace things. It's an incredibly powerful tool. Uh, for example, uh, I have a regular expression that is in my uh, style formats that says that if there is a word that is only one or two letters long after a uh, uh, full stop or a question mark or an exclamation point then you should move it to the next line it should not it it, it should not be the last word on a line of text so uh, what essentially what it does, it, it, it looks for, are there any two letter words after a, a full stop, an exclamation point or a question mark? And if so, make the space after that word non-breaking. Oh, that's clever. I use a lot of those expressions for like when I want small caps for certain words or for like yeah, yeah. D6s or D8 or whatever. You want those in small caps. <clears throat> that's, yeah, yeah that saves a lot of time. You don't have to find yeah. and replace. Me too. Uh, if uh, anyone has played a free league game, you know they really love to um, set rule terms in, in a different way from the other text. So often small caps or bold or all caps and or whatever. And it saves a ton of time uh, to have regular expressions to find those. And in uh, Forbidden Lands, there are so many, all the spells and stuff. So I have just said, okay, anytime there are more than four uppercase letters in a row, just make them small caps and bold. <laughs> Sometimes it it, it 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 catches all of them, but sometimes it it catches stuff that shouldn't be uh, set mm. in the rule styles as well. But it's right ninety nine percent of the time. And, and another trick, I don't know if it's a trick. I use I use uh, styles styles for topography and the styles uh, are cascading. I mean they are uh, inheriting things they are parents and there are children so if mm. i change something in a parent that thing changes in all the children as well so basically i have two or three trees um, 
one for headlines, one for regular text and one for uh, other text, uh, box texts or uh, uh, table text that I want to use uh, another typeface for. Um, and I have one style that starts the whole thing. Often it's just text with no indent. And then the next one is text mm. with the first line indent. And then you have a text with hanging indent and uh, inline header. And then you have uh, the numbers list, the bullet lists and, and all the stuff like that. And they all inherit stuff all the way up to the first one. So if I suddenly decide mm, I want to change the typeface or I want to change to, to 8.3 type size, uh, then I just have to do that in one place and it, uh, it changes everywhere. Saves a lot of time to yep. do it like that. Especially, uh, especially in the kind of stuff I regularly do, the 250, 300 and page US letter size role-playing books. You're laughing. You're all laughing. I, I love those sizes. <laughs> I want to do everything. Yeah, no, I, I have nothing against that. I've done, I've done my fair share of US letter books as yeah. well. I just, currently, I'm a big fan of A5. I just like the small ones. Like that's that's. Yeah, I think A5 is too small. I like the, uh, is it B5 or G5? Uh, no, B5 is the old one used by... Um, the target games, the old Swedish role-playing game. 100, 169 by 239 millimeters, I think. Oh, yeah. From memory. Optimal format. And, and th that's my uh, <laughs> format. <laughs> I think yeah. I, I think we should all do a battle because I am a big champion of A5 because it's the, it's the optimal format. But I, I understand that you haven't uh, really... You haven't reached that point yet, so maybe you will have to. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have any tricks One day. and tips, uh, tips and tricks. I've actually done some. Uh, I think it's a five. Uh, it's an um, secret uh, Stockholm cartel mm -hmm. game. Uh, it's probably a five. If I yeah, I think know. so. Uh, and, 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 uh, and that was fun as well because so far it's only uh, typography. Mm, There's yeah. nothing else. It's it's all done just with topo topography so far. Yeah, uh, and that was kind of fun. I, I I got to lay out and I had to imagine. Hmm. There's a, some space on this spread. Hmm. What kind of picture could go here? What if I do this kind of shape with a text box? <laughs> then we can have. Hmm. So. It was like uh, Play-Doh or, or uh, Legos. I just moved the blocks around and see what, what shapes I got. And that. this looks interesting. And now we have room for an image here. So that's actually how I do, because I do both the design and the art myself. And yeah. that's actually how I do. That's a neat trick if you are one of the designers who do both things, that you begin each spread with just the text. You save some space for an, uh, for, uh, an art piece. And then you just screen cap that spread, put it into Photoshop or whatever software you're using, and you draw on top of the spread. Yeah. And I ideal, I think. Love it. You could have said that a long time ago, because I just found out that by mistake. <laughs> I wait a minute, I can I can take a screenshot of my book and actually draw on it. <laughs> <laughs> just remember to make a new layer. Yeah, I, I did but, a lot uh, of that. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't think I'm going to use it, but I have like... Um, T uh, tentacles going around tables and stuff like that and it mm. was just fun to do but I'm not going to use it no but it's perfect because you never have to worry about like paragraph size or length or anything you can just save a lot of white space and you fill it up with art 
So, yeah, I, I, I would guess that a lot of fellow artists also appreciate getting that as an... Um, as a reference or like uh, as something to build upon like here's the spread you draw on top of that now uh all right i think this is obviously a topic that we can talk at great lengths about maybe we'll have to revisit this at some point but um this was uh yeah it was an interesting talk and it feels like we scratched the surface and some more maybe um but yeah so anyone else have anything to add If nobody else buys it, buys. <laughs> Not that funny. If, if if no if nobody buys the book, then it's okay. I'm not sad. <laughs> sorry, God. Okay, yeah. Uh, sorry. And <laughs> that's probably only funny in Swedish. <laughs>